Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. PodcastOne.com and iTunes. Thank you for downloading, streaming, and checking it out as always. Hope you guys had a great week. At the time you are hearing this, I am getting ready to wrap up my ninth Monsters of Rock cruise. Yep, the ninth sailing is happening as you hear this. If you're listening on post day, I've hosted every single one since it started about seven, eight years ago, because I think there were a couple years in there where we did two in one year. And, uh, Always a blast. I'll tell you all about it next week. This we uh this year's Monsters of Rock Cruise, I was wearing many hats, hosting the cruise, hosting my radio show on Sirius XM volume every day from the ship. It's quite a challenge to do a, a live national radio show from a cruise ship, but I've been able to do it for a few years now. And hopefully at the time you're hearing this, I was able to do it again. And also, this time for the first time ever, I shot an episode of my Access TV show Trunk Fest on board the Monsters of Rock Cruise, season two of that show, which focuses on the experience at music festivals, will be coming to Access TV later on this year. I believe it'll premiere in June or July. More information on that when we get a little bit closer. I am still uh, one or two more new episodes to shoot before we wrap things up for season two of Trunk Fest for Access TV. So a lot of good stuff going on. And I appreciate you guys uh, checking out the podcast. Just one of the many things I do. Six live radio shows a week on Sirius XM. Monday through Friday, of course, on Volume Channel 106. Doing a rock talk show, rock talks, talk and interviews. Every day live, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time. The show replays every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. And it's on demand on the Sirius XM app. That is Trunk Nation on Sirius XM 106 Volume Daily kind of like sports talk for the rock fan. And then the bonus show on Monday nights, 5 to 8 p.m. Eastern time on Channel 39, syndicated FM radio show, this podcast. A lot of great stuff going on as we continue to cover the world of rock, and I continue to bring it to you in my 36th year in broadcasting. Pretty crazy. I never thought I'd be saying that, but thank you for all your support making it happen. Uh, If you are listening to this podcast prior to March 3rd, By all means, you should come join me on March 3rd if you're in South Florida because I will be at the Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood hosting Tesla and Kicks. Get your tickets. Come on down and join us. Tesla and Kicks, both on the cruise and also doing a show on land. So if you're in South Florida, come and join me for what should be a great one this coming Sunday night. 
The interview you're about to hear on this week's podcast, like all of my interviews, is courtesy of my SiriusXM volume show. It originally aired there on President's Day Monday, and it's with John Petrucci, who is the founding member of Dream Theater, along with Mike Portnoy, who, of course, is no longer in the band. So John has definitely assumed the leadership role. Brilliant guitar player, producer of the band's records, and Dream Theater really a band with a fan following that most bands would kill for. Because it doesn't matter if they get airplay, it doesn't matter what kind of record they make, fans embrace what they do, and they are able to just do whatever they want without compromising on their own terms. Pretty remarkable what they've been able to do over the last 20, 25 years of their existence. The new Dream Theater album, which has just come out called Distance Over Time, is, believe it or not, the fourth album from the band to feature Mike Mangini on drums ever since Mike Portnoy left about nine years ago. You know, it's interesting because when this breakup with Dream Theater first happened, everybody knows Portnoy is one of my best buddies. And there's a lot of people that made the assumption that, well, that just meant I would turn my back on Dream Theater. And not true at all. I mean, I, I people just make these leaps and assumptions, and I, I always just try to be balanced and give everybody an opportunity to to talk. Now, look, when the breakup first happened, there was no doubt a lot of tensions between the respective camps. Uh, anyone would admit that. But over the years, that tension has absolutely dissipated because just recently, Portnoy and Jordan Rudis jammed on Cruise to the Edge, and they are friends once again. And Portnoy and Petrucci are good friends once again over the last year. So I'm not saying that to stoke the fires of saying, well, there could be a reunion or this and that. I'm simply saying it that things have certainly chilled out between certain members of Dream Theater and Mike. And Mike seems quite happy doing the many projects he has. And Dream Theater seemed quite happy with Mike Mangini, who is a beast of a drummer as well on drums, now making their fourth album with him. They're also going to be celebrating these scenes from a memory album on the upcoming tour, as well as playing some stuff from the new record as well. Petrucci came in. We had a great conversation. I'm going to share it with you on this week's podcast. I know there's so many DT fans around the world. I hope you enjoy our conversation. It was always good to see John and get caught up about the brand new record, which has just come out from Dream Theater. So that's what's coming up in a matter of minutes on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. Remember, follow me on Twitter at Eddie Trunk. That's where I am most up to date on social media, keeping you posted on all of my adventures. There's also an Instagram at Eddie Trunk fan page on Facebook at Eddie Trunk and the website eddietrunk.com with all my appearances on the homepage, music news updated daily, and a whole lot more. Hit a break. We'll come back. We'll talk to John Petrucci on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. The Eddie Trunk podcast. Every car comes with its uh, share of stories. You know that, right? That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date. The luxury package you got after that big promotion. Or the mileage you save by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number, and watch how your car details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof, watch as they bump up your value. High mileage, You already knew it was going to cost you, right? But now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a true cash offer sent in minutes 
which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Car cash offer not available in all areas. It's time to get your fitness on with the nation's premier personal trainer and wellness coach, Ben Greenfield, each week on Ben Greenfield Fitness here on Podcast One. But I want to show you some of the tips that I use to put on muscle quickly when I was bodybuilding and do it completely naturally. Need more fitness advice? Join Ben this week as he meets up with podcast legend Adam Carolla on The Adam Carolla Show. Download Ben Greenfield Fitness every Wednesday and don't miss Ben on The Adam Carolla Show on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope that was helpful. I'll catch you next time. Hey, congratulations to Adam Carolla for coming up on his 10th year of podcasting on March 10th. And now you can catch up on some of his finest moments of the decade. Check out the Corolla Network's Corolla Classics, a look back on some of the funniest moments on the show like you've never heard them before. Celebrate 10 years of great podcast moments with Corolla Classics every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcast. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. My guest is John Petrucci of Dream Theater. The new album has just come out called Distance Over Time, and we get into that and a whole lot more with John Petrucci right now. Enjoy. JP. What's happening? How are you, man? I'm doing great. I just said to him off the air, I saved you a little uh, congestion in the city doing this on a, on a holiday, right. but it's a good day. Everybody's off probably hanging out, listening to their radios, whatever they're doing, so yep. maybe we picked a good day. Perfect day to do this. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody's chilling. And perfect day because the new Dream Theater record is out Friday, right? It's You know what? It's like one of those things where you, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting, and then all of a sudden... Here it is. How does Can't it wait. feel? How does it feel for you? Like, uh, what number Dream Theater record is this? Studio 14. record? 14th studio record? Yeah, 14th studio record. Never mind all the live stuff. With the live stuff, it's probably 28. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's a lot of live stuff. I know, I know. It's crazy, man. 14. Wow, I can't believe that. First record was what, 90? It was 89, which I was, you know, if you do a little bit of math, that was 30 years ago, 14th record. It's almost two records a year. Almost averages that. No, wait a minute. So wait, ninety. So oh, eighty nine yeah. was was when Dreaming Day Unite. Right. Yeah. So it averages out to. So that's thirty years ago. Fourteen albums. A record every other year. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Every oh, two oh, years. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought you meant two a year because that's how they did it back in the seventies. Oh, two a year. Did I say that? Yeah, I thought that's what you said. That's what I threw need me coffee. for a second. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did five a year actually. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but every other—that's a decent average. That's a good pace. Yeah. Every other year seems to be about right. Yeah. So fourteen. Wow, it's amazing to me. I'm counting them kind of through my head, and yeah, I guess there is. There I know. There's fourteen of them. What is it for you, like uh, leading into this when you're? I guess it's probably a little different now for you than when you were putting out the early records and trying to establish the band. Yeah. Because back then, you're just hoping, oh, people are going to check it out. You know now with the fanaticism of the Dream Theater base, they're there day one. Yes. The bulk of them are going to buy that record in that first week it comes out. So I guess your your approach is and your feeling about it is a little different. It's more about what their feedback's going to be versus <laughs> if people buy it, because you know your base is going to be there, right? Right. It's funny. I, I kind of like, I, I equate it to, you know, think about like Star Wars, the Star Wars franchise, right? When it first came out, 
the fer- very first one, everyone's like, what is this? And yeah, everybody yeah. goes to it. And it's like, you know, the best thing ever. People discover it. And then next one comes out, you know, next one. Oh, I like the other one before a little bit better. And then a few years, you got the newer ones like, oh, I don't know if they're as good as the first ones. Well, I like the new ones better than those, you know. So it's like this continuing saga in the story but it's like you're always trying to push forward and move forward and you're always excited about it now are you yeah. a guy that gets in uh overly involved in like what the fans are saying like are you big into social media are you big looking at comments mm-hmm. are you w- even if you don't personally respond or anything will sure. you at least kind of take it all in and take that into account or are you somebody like here's the record i'm blocking all that out right here's my my approach on that um i i I think I would uh, be best described as a skimmer, you know, so so I try not to invest too much of my emotional energy into that type of stuff, but it's a good way to kind of gauge a little bit how, you know, how is something being perceived, mm-hmm. you know, for better or for worse. Yeah. And so it's a good barometer for me, but I really try to like not get too into it because I, I know guys that do that. Man, Eddie, it drives them out of their minds right you know it for better or for worse you know if you, you hear something good you see something you read something bad it's just like too much immediate feedback and for some people that like really really hang on every single post and comment yeah. it's bad news man. Oh, it, it, it'll make you crazy if yeah. you get too into it even for yeah. like what i do I was you know say, what do you do with that well well i'm you know i will um it's interesting with social media like i you have to remember like you said, whether it's pro or con, yeah. it's what I still what I call the vocal minority because sure. it's still not. That's no matter true. how many people you have that follow you or whatever, it's still not even probably a tenth mm-hmm. of the people you actually reach, d- depending upon what whatever you do. So you do have to keep it in some perspective. And yeah, I think that I think that it can be helpful. You know, yeah. there there might be some things you read where you're like. If it's a criticism, you're like, yeah, that's kind of valid. Sure. I understand that. I should probably consider that, and it, it's, it's helpful. So I'm, I don't, I'm not immune to that at all. And of course, if you, you know, read nothing but all the positives too, then you can be like, I'm invincible. <laughs> you can't I'm do the, anything wrong. I'm the greatest, you know. Yeah. But and and so you've got to keep some balance on it. But uh, yeah, and I try to do that. But but I find myself lately be, having, you know, I'm so busy because of. I do six live shows here a week at Sirius XM. I've got a terrestrial show. I'm doing a TV show for Access TV. I'm like always on to the next thing and right. moving. So a lot of times if I – Twitter is where I'm most active. So if I post something, I used to for a long time would go and look and re- respond to some sure. people quickly just to kind of be engaged with them. Right, right. But lately, I haven't had much time to do that. So it's kind of like stick and move, you know, post and yeah. let them have at it, what they want with it. And then every once in a while, a lot of times where I'm um, – I'll do it is late at night. The house is quiet. Right. I'm bored. I got the news on in the background. And you go through. Let me go yeah. take a look. And then I'll, and I will do that to respond respond to people when I can. A few right. things that will jump out at me because I do think it's important to uh, show those people that you actually are engaged in care. You yeah. know, that you want to I don't I don't I don't ever understood people that do um they have somebody else do their social yeah, media for them. That's really weird. I agree because it kind of like defeats the purpose of why it's there. I mean, for for some for a band like ours, you know, when we first started and everything, we relied heavily, and we still do, but we started our whole career touring. We were a touring band because we didn't have like the world is a big place. If people wanted to hear Dream Theater, we had to go to them. We weren't like plastered all over the radio or anything like that. Um, but so what social media and the internet and everything did for a band like ours is it brought that 
community together. Yeah. So now the word is spread so much quicker, and that international community is so close and communicating with each other and the band. So it's like actually really helpful for a band like ours because it helped us kind of like I don't know bring the whole dream theater like universe community together. together. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty wild as far as that's concerned. Well, let me ask you this. When when Portnoy was in the band, he was big into that and he still is, you yeah. know, with Twitter and social media and all that. And he assumed a lot of that with you guys. Sure. So yeah. with him being gone, has right. that more of that fallen on you? Are you the guy in the band now that does the most of it? We kind of spread it out. I mean, I I do, you know, I I kind of everybody has different things in in their worlds that that are special. Like for me, I'm really into the whole guitar community because I'm a guitar player. Sure. And that's a whole separate sort of, you know, community that I like to sort of be in touch with and reach out to. Um, but as far as like the band communication and stuff, I do try to stay really active on it. But Jordan is super active on social media. Um, and the other guys are as well. You know, it's funny, like when Mike left um, and, and a lot of the stuff wasn't as prominent, you know, going on almost 10 years ago believe it or not it's like eight years plus um but i remember feeling like oh man somebody's gonna have to take over because <laughs> he, he'd be on the forums and all that oh yeah stuff. yeah and yeah. i was like never did any of that so i'm like all right scratching my head all right but gotta dive in here <laughs> get know? a little crash course yeah yeah but you never toyed yeah. with the idea of getting like a social media manager or anything you right? know what i mean we've talked about it before but we just I don't know. That seems weird. You know, I, I agree. I, as a band, we do. There's another side of it too. There, there's like using that um, those platforms for marketing. You know, to kind of advertise dates and albums right. and we're putting out. So that's fine that other people do that. Right. But as far as like personal things, like from each guy, I don't know. That'd be weird if somebody else was doing it. How is it? genuine yeah i agree i mean i think that the guys that actually do it you Mm -hmm. you can pick up on and you kind of like you know slash actually does his you can tell it's really him when i talk about social media too predominantly i'm talking about twitter because that's what i do the most so i don't know about the other platforms but i I have them but i'm not as i'm not as engaged in them but and then you know you look at aussies and you know that's not Ozzy. (laughs) you know and they don't even try to hide it it's just like ozzy will be playing tonight at you know zach's is zach's right zach's Zach's out of zach is out of his mind only he can be that out of his mind if that's somebody else doing it that god help them (laughs) i have the time i don't even know what zach's tweets mean it's so bizarre it's like you know uh, blessed sunday father's (laughs) you know upside down this like what the what is he talking about the whole instagram thing with the coffee mug and the shark and all this oh i gotta check him off on instagram i don't have as much stuff going on instagram i have to add him out and see yeah there's some nutty things going on there so i'm, I'm thinking that's him oh it's definitely uh, him. otherwise uh there's nobody else there's on, nobody, yeah. on the planet that could be as that <laughs> demented than than zach posting so that stuff funny. on there distance over time is the uh, new dream theater record again it is out on friday we're going to talk a little bit about that with john i'm going to grab some phone calls from you guys as well and uh like i said we are on the eve of of uh, its release not necessarily the eve but a few days away from its release so as it gets closer you know you you you're realizing it's like having get ready to have another kid born, it really right? is it really is <laughs> <laughs> and mm. i want to talk about the previous record a little bit because that was kind of almost a 180 the astonishing was a huge undertaking yeah it was concept record you went out only only few bands could go out and do what you guys did where you played nothing but the whole record in one piece on that tour and then you kind of came back and the next leg of touring you went the other way right Right. you kind of did like a career retrospective we did we did a 30th uh or no i'm sorry 25th anniversary of um 
Images? Images, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So but was, but the, the now in retrospect, yeah. that record, mm-hmm. how did the Dream Theater fan base react to it? Was it mostly positive? Did you feel good about how it did? To the astonishing. Yeah, uh, the astonishing. It, it was very mixed. It was really mixed, which I, quite honestly, I totally anticipated it would because, you know, th- that, first of all, that whole project was like a three-year undertaking. The live show itself was like a year in the making and you know we did a ballsy move by just like only playing that show in its entirety and that was it mm-hmm. um it was a lot of music you know two hours and 10 or 15 minutes worth of music full uh orchestra choir you know it was based on a story that i wrote a novel was written based on that a video game and you know it was so like immersed in the story everything had to do with that that there's no question that it was going to alienate certain people that weren't like on board with it. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happened. So some people like really were like, this is the coolest thing ever and got into it, got into the whole story and the theatrics. And some people were like, nah, I want like normal dream theater. Normal. <laughs> yeah. Normal. What's normal. <laughs> I don't know. It's normal, but I, so I get it. So that's kind of the way that went, but you know, creatively um, it's definitely the most like intense and satisfying thing that I've ever done just as, you know, somebody who loves to write and, you know, tell stories and play music and, you know, it so, was. So it you really still amazing. totally stand behind it and you're glad you did it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I The only thing is I would have done it a little bit differently if I can, if I had a crystal ball, what I would have done was had the, the novel actually come out first, have people read the book and get into the story and then do the tour because the tour was like really, really an intense, you know incredible show with the production and everything and then at the show have the cd on sale mm. and so because so many people told me that who came to the show that that was the most amazing thing i've ever seen like they loved the whole experience but just to listen to like two hours and 10 minutes worth of music invest that time without having any context of the show it kind of you know yeah yeah so that's what i would have been that's what I would have done differently. You you um you personally put so much into that. Like you said, it was a story you came up with, yeah. characters and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Do you where do you want to do you wanna do you see yourself revisiting it down the line? Do you want to go another level with it? Do you want I mean, to do it something can, more? It certainly can be. You know, there's there's uh you know, we talked about in the beginning it being kind of all encompassing, like that it would you know, a, a movie would be done and you know, we were talking to some Broadway people and stuff like that. So anything is possible with it. Um it's it's there now it's established and a few pieces of the puzzle are have already come together like i said the novel the game the tour the album and there's still more to do but mm. you know as of right now it's more about the new album and yeah and the, but the other thing you find out about those records at least yeah. that i think is that those records that can be a bit polarizing to the fan base yeah as time goes on yeah they usually ha- take on a different stature a I lot totally of people agree. all of a sudden start to be like hey you know even on a more recent one like judas priest with nostradamus they got a lot of uh, very divided to that now yeah. all of a sudden i'm starting to hear people say like hey man that was actually really cool. Yeah. You guys, are you ever going to do that in a, as a full piece, like you said? And I was like, well, wait a minute, you know. And, and there, are, there are uh, a lot of examples of that. That after they sort of, they, they just take a little while to to 
get root, I think. They they do. And anytime you, you take an artistic chance on something, you're going to get that pushback. And sometimes it takes a while. I mean, just really quickly, like my, my signature guitar with Ernie Ball Music Man is called The Majesty. Um, it came out, uh, I don't even know, know how many years now, but when it was first released, people looked at it and they were like, what the hell? Like, this is the weirdest looking thing. Like, this is ugly. We don't like it. Fast forward, it, it's turned out to be one of the most successful guitars on the planet and people like really love and appreciate the design um there was an uh, an article in forbes saying that it was the best-selling signature guitar behind a les paul mm. so some things take you and know, you designed it yeah i designed it along with uh, the engineers at, at ernie ball music man and sterling ball and drew mm-hmm. montel and those guys like who are unbelievable but i guess my point is that it's something that took a chance and that was different than anything that was out there. And that was different than what we did before. So with the astonishing, the parallel is, yeah, it's different. You take chances creatively. Some people like maybe it hits them weird and it takes a while. And some people like really love it from the beginning. So you never know. But I think it's all about doing that, you know, as an artist, I think it's really important to do that. How did you, and, and before we get to where we are now with this new record, how did you feel about doing Images and Words? How was that experience to revisit that? That was a blast. Yeah. That, one of my, my mo- the most enjoyable thing for me was uh, James's stories during the, the tour. He would, in fact, the show was getting so long, we had problems with curfews and stuff, but he would just like go into storytelling mode to kind of like let people know what we were doing at that you know point mm-hmm. back in 19 whatever 90 the album came out in 92 so 91 and uh you know a couple of times we all came out with like popcorn and just sat down like listening to <laughs> story time with <laughs> uncle story james time with uncle james and, and i love that i would you know it just just like reminiscing about where we were in our lives what was happening and how that record came together it was a lot of fun is that the biggest selling dream theater record in your catalog i think it is yeah, and that's the only record that actually got any sort of radio Cause it pulled success because it pulled me under. It happened once and once only. Well, <laughs> and that, of course, that ties into one of the funniest things ever is you guys put out a compilation called Greatest Hit, which is hysterical. That was Mike when he presented that. I was like, oh, my God, this is hysterical. Greatest <laughs> Hit and a bunch of other songs right, or exactly. something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a Dream Theater compilation that Rhino yeah. did, and right. I don't know what it was, five, seven, ten years ago. So funny. And it's it, yeah, it's Greatest Hit and a bunch of other cool songs. Yeah. And it's Pull Me Under, of course, yeah. which was remixed, I think, on that. I think it was, it was. a remixed version of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and i got to find my copy that i yeah. had that somewhere but it was fun so coming into this new record yeah okay distance over time which again is out friday what was the thought process going into it was it like uh could, you know we're gonna go the a 180 from what the astonishing was and kind of get my, one of my favorite dream theater albums is uh train of thought because oh, cool. i love the edgier crunchier yeah. stuff yeah, yeah so i know you were you know that was part of the idea of going into this a little bit too in terms of getting into that zone a little right yeah exactly i mean you know, I, I hate to say, you know, that this album was like a reaction to The Astonishing because that would kind of discredit what we sure. did. But the, the you know, the idea in, in with this one was definitely to do it completely differently where the other one, Jordan and I wrote the music alone and brought the guys in later. This one, we we're like, let's all get together. And my wife actually suggested it. Um, 
you know, maybe she's trying to get rid of me. I don't just <laughs> get you know, out of the go, house. Yeah, go away. Do like a guy's kind of retreat. And that's what we did. We like we went upstate New York and we all uh, we found this amazing location with this little house and this incredible barn that was uh, converted into this beautiful studio just to write. And I brought my smoker up there and it was uh, summer last year. And we'd barbecue and hang out. Me and Jeannie made like chicken wings and Labrie made these crazy Canadian hamburgers that he bra- he's been bragging about for his whole life and uh i don't know if there was moose meat in there or something <laughs> and uh you know i was smoking chicken and steaks and everything and and meanwhile we were writing music all day no distractions nobody had to drive anywhere or go home do anything and um so the idea was to do this more kind of like bonding reconnected so all five thing. of you all five of us in, a, in in how long did you stay there we basically the record was written uh in about three weeks between three and four weeks so you all come into that uh, yeah. was it a house it was a, it was like a, a cabin a big property like five acre property with a little country house and then a barn um which was uh it was owned by you or built by richie richie sakamoto who like scored the revenant oh wow yeah and he sold it and uh took all the gear out so it's like a, a state-of-the-art studio with no equipment in it Oh, so it, it was used for music at yeah, one point. Yeah, music, film, everything, right. But they sold it and took everything out. So, you know, for us, that was perfect because we just wanted to go in and write. You know, you mentioned Train of Thought. We came into the city to do that in a rehearsal studio, and we didn't want to get bogged down by tracking. So we just, like, would record live demos, and that was it. So we did the same thing with this. So you brought gear in We there. brought, you know, a little bit of gear in. When I say little, it probably wasn't a little. You <laughs> For know. my dream theater yeah, terms. Yeah, dream theater terms. And, uh, and we did live demos of all the songs as we wrote them. But then, after a month, you know, we were going to move out and record somewhere else. And we were like, let's just stay here. This place is beautiful. Big open window. You know, some bears came up to the house at wow. some point. He would look outside, there's deers and badgers and everything like that foxes and uh so over the next three months or so we we actually stayed there brought even more gear and oh really yep turned, so you actually made the record in there yeah we turned it back into a studio uh-huh. and uh recorded the album there and it was awesome wow yeah. i didn't realize that's yeah. pretty cool that's so really you were, cool. so you did all of that over the course of three months or the writing just took three months? the writing no the writing was uh about three weeks about three, three, weeks. three to four weeks yeah this was our music from Big Pink, our album. <laughs> <laughs> and take me through that when yeah. the five of you guys write as a group like that. Yeah. Because as you said in the past, maybe you and Jordan did all the music or sure. however it, it broke out in, in recent times. But all five of you coming in, I mean, mm-hmm. I am. Uh, how how do you make sure there's room for everybody's ideas? Yeah. And who are, are you the producer? Yes. So you're the guy that's got to play bad guy too yes. and say, nah. That one, you know, John or whatever, you know, whoever, right. it, that ain't that ain't going to work. You know, I mean, that's got to put you in a tough spot. I can tell you a funny story about that. But just, just just to clarify, like all of the records that we've done, with the exception of The Astonishing, really were written with the whole band in a room playing together. It's like the way we've done things forever. Mm-hmm. Um, the Astonishing was very different in that it was written as like a score to a story. Right. So it didn't involve everybody. But anyway, so we're all in a room. Everybody has tons of ideas. Um, you know, picture us in this big giant barn room that sounds amazing. Guitars are cranking, bouncing off the walls, drums. Are, it's like really super loud. And that's where all that heavy, like train of thought kind of stuff comes from. Cause you just, you're all amped up and primal and you're in the room. But, um, the session started with John Myung playing this bass riff 
And we're like, oh, that's really cool. And in true John Mayung fashion, nobody could tell exactly what he was doing. And he, he can't really describe what he's doing. So we have to all. You mean how he's actually playing it? How he's playing it, what it is, what time signature is. Nobody knows. He doesn't know. And we're all trying to decipher it. And uh, so we'll start jamming on that and wrapping our heads around it. And then it turns into some other song. And that riff goes away. Mm-hmm. Right? That happened about five times. Really? With that riff. To the point where it was like a joke, like, John, your riff is never going to make it on the album. So when we were done with basically all the songs, we had to write one more. We wanted to have a bonus track. We're like, all right, we're going to use your riff. And I swear we won't stray away from it. And the song S2N that's on the record is from that riff. Now, is that a bonus track? It's not. We, we, we actually included we liked it so <laughs> much. <laughs> we liked it so much, it's on the main thing. But, it, but there... You know, people say, oh, you ever, like, run out of ideas? It's like, no, we have too many freaking ideas. You have all these guys. I mean, Mangini had tons of ideas. He wrote a lyric for the first time, um, four records in with him and, and his first lyric. And everybody just, like, you'd be surprised how much stuff we throw away. It never sees the light of day. Yeah, it also explains yeah. how there comes to be 40-minute Dream Theater songs when you just yeah. – you don't throw anybody's idea away. You just you know? figure out a way to make them all work together. Well, this one we wanted to do, like, an al- an hour-long album. We haven't done that since Images. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's do an album you can like work out to. Right. You know, so we, we had to kind of make the songs shorter. Right. Otherwise, it'd be two songs on the album. Right, right. So, yeah. So, I, I remember, you know, you talk about fan reaction and, and social media and stuff. When they released the song Lengths, there was like uproar. What the hell is it? <laughs> no songs over eight minutes. This is going to suck. And I'm only like, your fan base would get upset about yeah, it like, being just, too not, yeah. <laughs> not being long enough. I'm like, don't Where's worry. Where's the 26-minute song, man? I promise it'll all be good. <laughs> just trust me. So, Oh, that is too funny. Well, you can find out about the song lengths and hear the songs <laughs> themselves and, and, and all of that when the new Dream Theater album is out this coming Friday, Distance Over Time. And I know, looking online... There are several configurations on how to get this, right? Yes, Talk yes. a little bit about that because you have a special. Sure. I know your the the hardcore of your fan base they they want every bell and whistle. So talk about the different ways you can get it. Absolutely. So this is our first record with uh, Inside Out Sony, and we we just signed with them, and uh, they've been unbelievable, you know, as a record label. And one of the things that they embraced right away was, you know, all the the different versions um that we're going to release this in as far as the packaging because fans do love all that stuff and it's a great opportunity for us to go further with the artwork and stuff like that which we all love so there's uh there's definitely the the jewel kcd and there's a digipack cd there's vinyl um but there's also uh a box set and there's a deluxe deluxe collector's edition box set which has everything in it and this crazy cover that has a skull hologram thing going on vinyl and posters and uh different mixes and bonus stuff and goodies is that that like an order online sort of deal yeah so where do they go for that to your website to the band website right exactly and And that's dreamtheater.net right net exactly right and there's something they're doing um i don't know if you wanted to talk about this later but this thursday the day before the record comes out right doing a special listening event right you guys and you guys had asked me about uh getting involved in that unfortunately with my schedule i just don't think i can get in there but thank you for that thank you for the offer but is that open to the public so it is so it's talking about another edition so looney tunes on long island they have a special vinyl version of it that's like half black and half smoke 
something or whatever. And if you buy that record at Looney Tunes, you get a wristband to come in to the Village East Theater. Okay. That's in the East Village here in Manhattan on Thursday. And uh, basically listen to the whole record in 5-1 while watching videos because we made a video for each song. A full-on video? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, at, like, full-on digital animation, like, to each song. It's crazy. So, you, you, not that you guys are in the videos, no. but sort of, like, elaborate lyric videos or something. Yeah, like, if you if you see online, so the three songs that we already released, Paralyzed, Untethered Angel. Well, Untethered, we had a, something different, but Paralyzed and uh, Fall Into the Light. So, that's kind of the style of the videos. Um, they're, like, animated digital things, but they all go along to the to the record so i think there's like a few limited uh spots left for that listening party on thursday and so so uh this record there's a 5.1 mix yes. of it yep. and if people obviously were it's a national show people can't get to that or is there in, in one of the configurations yes. you talked about is there like a blu-ray or something yes, there's a blu-ray with I all thought... those images and the sound yes. on it sorry i forgot to mention that yeah yeah okay. thank you yeah absolutely there's a blu-ray that has uh yeah there's a video for every song and for people that don't know what that is because i've actually like they they did that with 2112 mm-hmm. a special edition of 2112 i have w- what you essentially do is a lot of people have home theater setups 5171 i know i have a 71 and and you can you, what you would do is you take that disc because you can't listen to that disc on a stereo because it's two channels, right. right and left. So you take that disc and you put it in your your home theater. You get some cool images up on the screen, but you hear that surround sound sort of thing. Yeah. And and um, how does this record sound in that in that format? It sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. It's it's basically so the the mix engineer we used was Ben Gross. His first time we used him, he did a phenomenal job. That guy is unbelievable. Uh, but he also did the 5-1. And he kind of, he didn't, I wouldn't say he went crazy with the 5-1, but it's like, it definitely is something that surrounds you as you're listening to the songs. And I, the cool thing is that when you're watching these animations and listening to the music, I think it makes for like a really cool experience. And I would yeah. think when you talk about these different formats and different ways to get a new Dream Theater record, my assumption would be, knowing the Dream Theater fan base like I do, that most of your fans do want it in some physical format. Right. I would think so, too. I I think that, you know, a lot about what we do is kind of, and, you know, not to bring it up again, but the astonishing was sort of talking uh, about this, was that we kind of embrace the old school, you know, that people like physical product people like to you know listen to music in the way that we used to and you listen you know to rush pink floyd yes record you put it on you like hang out with your friends and listen to the whole thing yeah it wasn't just like on the go streaming this and that so we sort of you know we're kind of still romantic about that and so we you know we make records in studios we put out vinyl we put out all these different things for people that i think are on the same page as the band you know we love that stuff they love that stuff so again, it's like talking about that whole community bringing it together. Yeah, and that's a great point. I, yeah. I mean, well, as I'm all about physical. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm not on the vinyl kick as I've said before, and I appreciate people that are because I just love people buying music physically, no matter mm-hmm. what, because they think you have such a bigger connection to it that yeah. way. I'm still 100 percent a CD guy, and it's funny when people say to me all the time, like, you know, oh, you should, you can start getting rid of your CDs. No, no, because number one, I still love them. Number yeah. two, they're still digital, which people forget. So yeah. you have that versatility. And number three, I've seen what's ha- what's happened with vinyl and i got rid of 80 percent of my vinyl when cds came out so i can't wait for the day when people start saying to me hey so you have this second pressing of images and words before they do (laughs) you know i'll pay you 200 for that on cd because cassettes 
People are buying cassettes, buying cassettes again. Now. I know. I saw that. It's insane. So I mean, I, that one. I'm not really sure why, though. I was told I, I had a director on this show yeah. who did a documentary recently on the cassette, which is pretty interesting. I've recommended it to the audience before. You, it's like a, it was like 99 cents on iTunes, mm-hmm. but I, I downloaded it and watched it on a trip once. And it's only a couple years old, and it's really fascinating because it talks about. It's it's a twofold thing. It talks about the the invention of the cassette, yeah, and how important it was. People forget that a cassette was the first time you had true portability in your music, right? Right, where you could literally take it anywhere. It it lent itself to the rise of the answering machine. Sure, you know all these things that the cassette did. So they trace it back to to. Um, uh, I think Germany or wherever it was first made, and they talked to the guy who, who's still alive who created the first wow. one, and there's all that. But then there's the other side about the perceived sort of comeback to cassettes, yeah. which as old school as I am, I'm not going down that yeah, road. That's kind of going a little too far. But last year, in America alone, yeah. there were 170,000 cassettes sold. Wow. Of new cassette, like new music made on cassette. And even in, I had some stats of what they sold in England. And one of the things driving it is the, um, I've never seen the movie, but Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Apparently there's a storyline in there of a guy making mixtapes. Right. Cassette yes. mixtapes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that drove younger people right. to all of a sudden get an interest in cassettes. But and the- then the, their parents... Getting yeah. nostalgic, I guess. I mean, with cassette, like with vinyl, like people will they'll kind of argue about the sound quality right. and the warmth. But do you think with cassettes, it's more just a like a boutiquey, like trendy I think thing? It's I the don't nostalgia. Think, yeah, and I don't the... know. If people are like, oh man, the sound of a cassette. No, so I, <laughs> I love the tape hiss. I love that. <laughs> I'm actually the opposite. I I don't know why this hasn't gone like further. Like, you know, when you're we... a mini disc guy or no, no, eight <laughs> track. No, it's like the better quality. <laughs> Like, forget about the retro stuff and all that. Like, you know, when we make records, um, it, you know, we're listening to them in probably the best environment that you like will ever get to hear them in. It's like as HD or whatever, right. as, you know, high res as you could possibly hear it. And then you put it on a CD and it's down to 16 bit. You know, it's like I know that they offer like the high res version, like on the Blu-ray, I think. Um, but I'm I'm surprised that's not like well, more of a thing. But, but I don't think John. I'm I fully. I don't think the general public. Like I I've all the time I say this. I think it's a lot. The masses are will go convenience over quality any time. Right. You're right because all the only place you need to look at for that proof of that is streaming. Yeah. I mean, most streaming services sound like shit, yeah. especially when you AB them against a CD or anything right. like that. Right. And but but most people want to just click and hear what they want to click You're and they right. don't because t- Neil Young had that Pono thing which mm. was high high res streaming mm-hmm. and that went down like an anchor like it just didn't grab. Why did, why did it catch on in other place like other art like you know the phones are always talking about how many more pixels and you know high depth five G like, coming yeah and all that, five G right? and movies and everything it's like you know and and this stuff is portable and accessible you know you take it pictures might get with, there you know maybe it will if. 
I know just it dry, to me it drives me crazy. It's like you're getting a version right. of what we did in the studio. You're not getting what we did right, unless right. you were actually there physically to listen. But that's a great point. Yeah. You look at yeah. the, just the quality of cell phone pictures sure. and video. You're yeah. shooting video in 4K on your phone totally. now. It's like and movies, movies, yeah. and all these these. Why not advance the music, the ability of the music I quality? Feel like it's so behind. I don't know why that aspect didn't. Because catch I up. don't think enough people mm-hmm. care. I hate to say it, but I Damn just don't it. think I'm enough people the care. They should care. You're right. <laughs> but enough people don't care, unfortunately. Yeah. And look, you, you talked about it yourself. Dream Theater has always been a band that has cared about sonic quality and put yeah. that work in. Even even all these year, recent years where it's been like people just making records in their bedrooms on computers. I know from, from all the years, you know, when Mike was in the band, he'd be like, yeah, we're going to a studio in New York. We're getting the hit factory or whatever. I'm like... Yeah. You guys are still doing that, right, huh? Right. It's like you're you're still good, yeah. you're just putting that time and effort in. So exactly. of course it would be important to you. Exactly. I mean, it's you know we talked a little bit about the guitar industry and that whole world. I mean, people will go convenience and affordability, you know, with guitar amplifiers and digital things and modeling over like the real deal. Yeah. You know, just and you're like, why yeah. do that? Yeah. You know, why why is it like there's such a compromise, but. I don't know. Like you said, people probably don't care. <laughs> you hope they do. Maybe it'll come around. We'll yes. see. Talk about the tour. What's the plan? I know you're going to yeah. celebrate scenes too, right? Yeah, yeah. So the tour, uh, the concept around the tour is it's an evening with, um, which we talked about bringing an opening band and that quickly went out the window when we figured out how much music we have to play. Mm. So it's an evening with um, with two sets. First set is going to be, uh, of course, playing some of this new music live that we're really excited about from Distance Over Time and then some other older songs that we haven't played in a long time. Second set is going to be Scenes from a Memory in its entirety. Um, and what we're doing is we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the release of that record. So that came out in 99, believe it Jesus. or not. I know. Unreal. And uh, so we have a brand new show uh, created around that um, with a full uh, newly um, created animation depicting the story behind scenes. Mm. So it's something nobody has seen before. Mm. That's going to be really cool. And Dream Theater, anybody knows, is definitely a global band. You guys played and have over the years played in every corner of the yes. earth. Yes. What's the plan for this? You starting sure. where? So we're starting in the U.S. So it's uh, North America first. Uh, we start in San Diego on uh, March 20th. And we have some shows in Canada, the U.S., and we end in Mexico. And then we do the summertime will be spent over in Europe playing festivals. Um, so we have a whole bunch of festivals all over Europe. And when you do that, you're yeah. not going to be able to do this set no. list, obviously. So that, right, so that'll be different. That'll just be festival. We're playing downloads, some really cool ones. Um, that'll be summertime. And then I don't have the schedule in front of me right now, but we'll hit um, Europe properly with like this tour. Same with South America, same with Asia, Australia, all that. You know us. We go all over the world. You do. I yeah. mean, you really always have. Yeah, it's the crazy. New, the new record, how much of it you're going to want to be able to put in the set or how much have you, you know, time have you allotted for that? Yeah, we'll play a few songs. I mean, you know, it's 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 hard because like you don't want the show to be four hours. Right. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll play a few songs from the new record, but we'll make sure we mix it up and play some older ones as well. I mean, you know how it is like you you the newest thing you did is you're most right. excited about and you can't wait to play it but uh you know obviously there's a whole bunch we have such such a big catalog at this point and you yeah. mentioned this is the fourth studio record for Mangini. yes is yeah. it really my god it's yeah. crazy how much time has gone it is by. so uh dramatic turn of events 
the self-titled, The Astonishing. Oh, okay. This is the fourth. And then uh, two live albums, Live at Luna Park and Breaking the Fourth Wall. So the sixth record with Mangini. That's unbelievable, that crazy? man. That's unbelievable. And, and in retrospect, I mean, having to uh, replace a guy like Portnoy, he yeah. really was the guy all... I mean, he. I don't think there was a guy out right. there that would... Uh, I mean, check every box. Like exactly. If anybody ever, you know, you t- we talk about nostalgia. Um, if anybody ever uh, is curious and hasn't seen the drummer audition, you know, sort of movies that we did right. with Mike, go back and watch it. Go to YouTube and watch it because it's like you'll see how it just like all points towards him being the perfect guy. And Mike, you know, was such big shoes to fill. Right. You know, I mean, having started the band together and being in the band 25 years and all the things that he did, um, you know, that that's a really hard position to to come into and fill. And Mangini has embraced that and done such a great job. And it's, it's crazy, like, you know fourth studio albums it's amazing it's like, i don't know how that happened i was just telling i was just telling jordan when he was on with me last week or a week or two ago that the very first time i ever saw mike mangini play drums yeah he was playing with gary sharon oh cool at a club uh, that's no longer there here in new york called the cat club i and know the cat club <laughs> it was gary was doing a solo thing yeah and i had never saw mike play drums before yeah and i walked into this little cat club and yeah the 90 percent of the stage was taken up with mangini's kid <laughs> and gary came out and played and you know it was great but all i, all I could do was watch the drummer and yeah. i was like he's a this freak. guy is ridiculous yeah. and ironically the guy that i texted mm-hmm. immediately after seeing mike. was portland <laughs> and i was like you know this guy mike mangini this guy's yeah. ridiculous oh yeah, yeah i know who he is and i was like yeah. this is fucking like who, who knew you know yeah. speaking with jordan just played with portnoy on the cruise that's right and did like a stream theater med thing and i was saying to him on the air Mm -hmm. i think it's really cool that now as it's been eight nine years yeah a lot was made of you and portnoy having a a photo being tweeted out i think last new year's eve and and, you know together and jordan playing with him sure and i think for fans that's kind of has to feel good now that some of that uh, perceived sort of stress and tension has dissipated does it feel good for you that because you you've got such a history with him finding the band that that you guys you know he's clearly on his way doing the 52 bands he's doing and (laughs) having fun with it and and you guys have you know established things with mangini and now i would think at least for yourself and Jordan, and Jordan agreed that it's nice to be in sort of this zone right now with him. Absolutely. I mean, you know, something that maybe people don't understand is, you know, we started a band together when we were 18 years old, you know, and and lived for the next 25 years, our lives all in parallel, getting married, having families, those families growing up together. You know, our wives knew each other before they knew us. Like, Mm. there's like such history and it it doesn't just go away because you're not in a band together anymore, you know. Th- there are things that you know, a- as as a business, quote unquote, that you got to work out that could get a little weird. But other than that, it's, it's all about the relationships, you know. And uh, there, you know, I think that if it makes people feel good that we're all friends and it's all good, then that's that's awesome, you know. It makes us feel good, you know. There's no reason to. Uh, for it not to be that way, mm. you know. There's... Would you ever consider doing liquid tension again? Um, yeah, I would. I mean, we've we've talked about it before. Um, we don't have any plans to do it or anything, but right. yeah, I mean, that would be something that would be fun. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, it's just I I think it's cool. I I don't like when there's like any sort of weirdness and right. Speaking of tension, you know, tension. I like when things are 
friendly and smooth. And like I said, there's there's so much history history and love and brotherhood that you can't be erased, you know, just because somebody's not in a band with you. And how about yeah. outside of Dream Theater for you? You also did um, you did G three, right? Yeah, yeah, many, many, many times. In fact, that the beginning of uh, last year, I did f- about eighty shows with Joe Satriani and and Phil Collins. We Phil Collin, oh, Def Leppard, right. Def Leppard, and, uh, and which was and, a really interesting addition to that yeah, show because, yeah. as great as Phil is, people don't think of him sort of in that. Phil was that phenomenal, world, but everyone right. said that. Yeah, he was phenomenal and just like such a super incredible guy. Yeah, um, and then we did uh, another forty or so with uh, Joe and, and Uli John Roth and. Uh, in Europe. Oh, wow. And those are probably my, I don't know, maybe my eighth and ninth G3 tours that I've done. So it, that's a blast. Yeah. As a guitar player, that's like some of the most fun you could ever, ever have. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, it's that, a blast. That's absolutely awesome. All right. You good for another 10 minutes or so? I'm good. Good. Let's get a few more call- Let's get a chance for you guys to talk to John Petrucci, who is here in the studio with me from Dream Theater. Again, the new album is out this Friday, and it's available uh, if you want to do the pre-order thing. There's uh, various configurations you can get it in, a couple versions of it on CD. There's the vinyl. There is uh, a, a super deluxe box set. Go to dreamtheater.net for your information on how to order the record or just if you got a good old record store by you still, by all means, go there this Friday. Do it old school, man. Go <laughs> go in there and stand at that register and go to the bin and p- pick it up and smell it and hold it and go and pay your money at the register and watch it get put into a bag and then take it home and take the cellophane what off. What is that? What are you talking and about? Then, and then Take it out and put it on your player in your disc and savor it and then file it next to the other ones you have from that band on your shelf. Damn, that's how you do it, That's John. amazing. That's oh, the way it's done. God, it's, that's spoken like a guy who worked in a record store for years. I love that. Like I did, man. I love and there's, it. And we still have some record stores out there, and there's a lot of good ones. You mentioned Looney Tunes. That's right. Which has been on Long Island going forever. For, oh, forever, man. Forever. Place, yeah. There's a great one in Jersey I grew up with. I've mentioned so many times Vintage Vinyl, which uh, is still thriving and doing great. I go to LA like once a month. Amoeba is kicking ass out there. Amazing. People lined up to buy stuff. Do so. I have a second to tell you something? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. So uh, just really quickly, speaking of records, so can I be really nerdy for yeah, a tournament? Yeah. All right. So you're um, at the, this is nerd headquarters. All right, nerd headquarters. All right. So <laughs> you, are you familiar with like the Voyager missions that that happened? Yeah. Back in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Right. So the two different missions went out to explore the solar system, and now they're actually in interstellar space. But anyway, um, on the record, there's a song called "Pale Blue Dot," mm-hmm. which is named after a very famous speech that Carl Sagan gave. Head nerd, Ed, okay, my head producer nerd. Ed is pumping his fist in okay. the air. I wanted to ask you about that. Yes. Thank you for verifying. There you go. And so he wrote, so basically the Voyager, like it was at the edge of the solar system. It took a picture of the solar system from the the outer edge looking back. And it took forever to come in as like pixels, pixels, pixels. Finally, you know, it, it all came in. They're like, where's Earth? And Earth was like this tiny, tiny little speck that was like, less than the size of a pixel and Carl Sagan wrote he had gave this whole speech about how we're just this tiny speck floating in the universe who else you know there might not be anybody else out there and anything that ever happened in the world all these wars and bloodshed what does it all mean we got to be kinder to each other anyway that's what that song's about but on the Voyagers uh, spacecraft they made what's called the golden record so it was a record that's actually gold that it, it was meant to contain um, at the time, uh, everything about the Earth. So if an alien 
culture, civilization found it. There's actually directions on the record as to how to play it, where to put the needle. And then on the record is all music, everything from, you know, classical to Chuck Berry, photos, greetings in wow. all these different languages. And uh, for for the special collector's edition thing, there is a seven inch, I believe, gold record oh. in gold, not real gold. Right. With pale blue dot on one side. And so that's my nerdy aside. Dream, <laughs> Dream Theater goes super nerd. <laughs> All right. The folks that have been waiting for a while here include Rex, who I believe is in – Rex, are you in Nebraska? I am. Rex, in Nebraska, you're on with John Petrucci. Thanks for calling. What's up, hey, Rex? Hey, guys. How are you? I'm, I'm, how are you, John? Doing good, man. Hey, uh, just real quick, uh, back here in, at the Six Degrees uh, show in Kansas City, we drove to Lenexa, Kansas in a snowstorm to meet you and Mike, and you guys were very hospitable, and I thank you for that. Oh, cool. Well, that's great to hear, man. That's it would have awesome. been really bad yeah, if you yeah. said, you guys were both dicks. Yeah, that's what I was waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? No, no that's awesome, man. No, you, you, you guys were great. Thank you. I've uh, been a fan since Images of Words came out. Um, my question, your song is such an integral part of my life. How is your songwriting process? Do you have a certain thing that you do? And uh, another question is, it's a damn records, I believe it was. Yeah. Are you guys still doing that? Not really. It still exists. We haven't put anything uh, out on that, you know, in a, in a long time now, but it does still exist. Uh, that was a lot of the tribute records, right? And yeah, like a lot of the tribute jams and all. When you yeah, did like, you guys did Number of the Beast in its entirety. And- exactly. And to be you know totally honest, Mike was really heading up that. Like that's something that he Portnoy, felt really passionate right. about. Portnoy. So you know, basically, since he left, we haven't really done anything with it. It's still there if we want to. But you're right. We did. Uh, we put out demos on there. We put you out did the a cover Deep albums. Purple show on there. Yeah, too. yeah. We did a full. We did made full in made Japan. In Japan. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, some cool stuff. Yeah. It is crazy. But we, we uh, you know, we write music. One of the great things about being in a band with these guys is they're so creative. So the best thing um, is when we're all together and uh, we either jam on ideas or, you you know, I might I collect ideas uh, from time to time. And so I'll bring in a riff or an idea or a chord progression and, and we start playing on it and songs yeah. evolve from there. Rex, if you weren't listening to the show earlier, actually, uh, John talked in detail about this record and how it came together differently than other Dream Theater records and that they all got in a room together and worked together at the same time. So uh, listen to the either the replay of the show or on demand on the app. But I think the more – thank you for the call, Rex. I think the more interesting thing – maybe with with that would be you personally like your ideas like are you one of sure. these guys that will uh dream i've had people yes. dream ideas absolutely i've had uh Satriani has told me he's written songs in dreams and totally. wake up and then have the phone by him and it comes to him so that hap- that happens to you it totally happens it one time it happened to me and then when I, I i was so convinced i was kind of in the in-between state that i had like written the greatest thing of all time <laughs> and then when i actually woke up and i started to hum it i realized it was already a song so wow. it didn't work out yeah Plag- <laughs> plagiarism in your dreams i, I was it's horrible <laughs> steve uh, who's in michigan and been waiting a while hey steve you're on with john petrucci hi john how are you good how are you good i'm a big fan i've been with you guys since when dreaming day unite wow that's amazing uh i love that album thank you um, so much Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I'm looking forward to the new CD and the tour. I'm going to see you guys in Detroit here when you guys get here. Great. Uh, I have a question about when Dreamin' Day Unite. Is there any chance of that ever being remixed or remastered and 
re-released. Do you not like the way it sounds? <laughs> <laughs> You're just looking for him to have some fun with it, or you hate the way it sounds? You just said it was your favorite record, no. Steve. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. It's no, just I'm, I'm messing with you. It, you know what? I think that would actually be really cool to mix that. That that was the first record that we ever did. Uh, we were really young. We had no experience. I think we'd recorded the whole thing in two weeks, and... Uh, um, Terry Date at the time who did it, uh, he he did a great job. But I I would love to uh, to remix all that stuff, remaster it, kind of modernize it. Um, yeah, that would be amazing. That'd and be then a great Steve, project. then Steve can call you and say, "What are you messing with the record for? It's <laughs> right. my favorite record. What'd you do? I like the old one better. <laughs> I love I love the I love the Killing Hand and the ones the who helped to set this up. Oh my god, that's that's awesome. so funny. We we were like, I don't know where we were coming up with those titles back then. <laughs> <laughs> Great album, though. It was nice talking to you, man. Thank you. Same here. Thank you, Steve. Maybe you got right. a shot at getting that uh, reissue at some point, it sounds like. so. But that's always a slippery slope, because then you do it. I I've ne- I don't have, ever have a problem with artists messing around with early records or classic records, yeah. doing remixes or whatever, as long as the original version remains in print. Right, And then exactly. you have your choice. If you want to get it, great. You want to have some fun otherwise. But as long as you don't do it instead of the no. other one, then that's... And then it replaces it, yeah. Because yeah. even with, with the warts and all that may be there, if right. there are any, you, that's what you grow up it's, loving. That's right. what you want to hear, you know? Yep, exactly. So I think that's what works. All right, man. Well, that was quick. We, we blew out of time here already, but um, it's always great to see you. And uh, Same here. Everybody pick up the new Dream Theater album again. It is coming out everywhere this coming Friday and in, in various configurations configurations as i mentioned well great conversation with john petrucci of dream theater hope you enjoyed it appreciate john coming by check out the new dt album distance over time which is out there and available right now and remember all the interviews you hear on the eddie trunk podcast are courtesy of trunk nation my daily show here uh heard i should say on sirius xm 106 volume live monday through friday 2 to 4 p.m eastern time replaying every night 9 to 11 p.m eastern think of it as sports talk for the rock fan get involved call in and you are only getting a small sample of what i do on a daily basis on trunk nation on volume hope you guys check it out if you are not already and you live in the u.s and canada thanks to katie irizari she is the producer of the eddie trunk podcast i'll catch you guys next thursday for another all-new episode i'll tell you all about the monsters of rock cruise that i'm just coming off of and a whole lot more. Have a great week.
new to Podcast One. It's Mama Said with actress Jamie Lynn Sigler and musician Jenna Paris. We want to create a community for you all to just not feel alone, to feel heard, and to hear a curse word every once in a while because who wants to listen to Elmo all the time? So that's why we're here. A no judgment zone to get real about the pretty and the shitty of motherhood. Mama Said with Jamie and Jenna starts February 6th on podcastone.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.